0: Welcome to Read Talk. I'm your host, Whitney Godwin, and today I want to talk about a topic that I have been hearing a lot about from our graduates, from current students, from my friends in the industry, and even from future students. Given our current turbulent health and political environment, safety concerns have been elevated when it comes to being a journalist and a communicator. We hear things like defund the media and fake news often. I myself have tried to explain to countless friends and family how these phrases and this narrative negatively impacts journalists. As essential workers and first responders, journalists face increased threats and risks online and in real life as they cover natural disasters, mass shootings, the COVID-19 pandemic, violent extremism, police violence, and increased civil unrest in communities. They are human beings that are part of these communities. And as part of these communities, they cover journalists experience trauma themselves in the course of serving the public. Today, I'd like to welcome Jim Iovino, who joined us at the College of Media in July 2019 as the Ogden Newspapers Visiting Assistant Professor of Media Innovation. He is leading our Newstart Newspaper Ownership Initiative and comes from years of experience in the industry, both with newspaper and with television. And prior to joining us at WVU, Jim was the deputy managing editor of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, so we are excited to get his perspective on this topic today. Hi, Jim. Welcome to Read Talk. How are you?
1: Hey, I'm good, Whitney. How are you?
0: Doing good. Doing good. So working from home. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I just want to start really simply by asking you to define journalism as you see it and the job of reporters. Like, I know that you've worked in a lot of different areas of the industry, and you're working with a lot of um, budding media ownership and professionals right now. So what would you say journalism is, and what is the job of reporters?
1: Sure. I mean, there's a lot of different forms of journalism that you can talk about uh, these days, but... You know, at the, at the end of the day, uh, some of the, the basics that all, all journalists uh, strive for, um, seeking the truth, uh, informing the public, uh, providing context around the truth and all the information that you're providing them uh, to give them some sense of what it means to them at the end of the day, uh, and then, you know, absolutely holding the powerful accountable uh, and, and making sure that, that we are the eyes and ears of the people. Uh, and we're, we're holding those uh, in power and government and beyond uh, to account for their actions.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think it's so important to mention um, things like you did, you know, holding people accountable um, to the truth. They love that phrase that you used there. So. Um, You know, I've heard from and talked to several of our graduates who are in the industry right now and several of my friends who work in media um, who are kind of frustrated with the rhetoric of the fake news media. And, um, you know, you're just talking about this, you know, truth and facts. And while we do recognize that journalism is not without its faults. Um, that narrative of fake news or untrue news has kind of become um, dangerous and alarming to the people that work in this industry. Um, and these are all anecdotal stories that I have, you know, from friends and, and grads. So um, I kind of want to put this into perspective. Um, how did we get here as journalists where people are kind of having a hard time trusting us or trusting our field Um, and can you talk about some of the risks that, that journalism has always had? And if you've had any experiences, um, like this and how you've dealt with those.
1: Yeah. You know, there's, there's always been risk, uh, in our field, uh, for a long time, it really hasn't hit home here in the U S as it has in other places in the world. Um, -hmm. but you know, it's, it's always been around. I guess it's now it's our turn uh, to deal with this in, in many ways, but um, you know, it, it all goes back to, you know, like words matter and what people say really matters. And, you know, those in positions of power uh, have an obligation to tell the truth. Uh, and, and if they don't, it's journalists uh, responsibility to, to dig deeper and, and find the truths and explain that to the public. Um, now there's, there's a lot going on these days with so much misinformation and disinformation going around that it's hard to know what is true and what is not. Um, if if people don't put trust in members of the media, uh, it's, it's, it's much harder to determine what is true and what is not. And so, you know, uh, it while people scream fake news or, you know, they're, they're, they're they're unsure about who's telling them the truth or not. Uh, we as journalists really have to continue our mission uh, and, and 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 continue to provide the truth as as uh, as we can to to people and still be there for them, even if they don't oftentimes understand you know what it takes for us to get those truths. Uh, uh, you know. Um, yeah i go back to to my days of the post gazette where we would do stories and you know the following day i'd get emails or uh phone calls or 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 social media comments on mm-hmm. our stories and you know there would be people who would say this story uh is, is you know why are you spreading these lies or or, mm-hmm. or something like that uh but at the same time it would also be coming from another side as well. Like, oh, you said this, but you know, that's great. But then you also are missing this. So it's like people on both mm-hmm. sides, just see whatever they want to see in all these stories. Uh, and that's okay. Uh, you know, there are going to be differences of opinion, but at the end of the day, it's us as journalists have to present those facts. Um, and hopefully we can do that and also provide some analysis and context around that as well. To help people understand what it really means to them, uh, instead of having others kind of chime in on social and elsewhere, uh, trying to distort those facts and twist them in a way that will make it uh, to their advantage.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great point. And they're a really good example. You know, people are always going to have Uh, differences of opinion, no matter what, um, whether you're telling facts or not, because everybody sees things uh, from a different perspective. And so um, you kind of touched on this, you know, people in our profession have always been at risk, we primarily always thought of those as journalists who are abroad um, in places like war zones. But here in the United States, uh, especially this year, there have been some really unique circumstances that I, I don't think many of us uh, ever would have imagined. And so back in the fall, you hosted a panel for us here at the college about journalism safety. Um, and at that point, you cited some statistics from the U.S. Um, Press Freedom Checker. And I, I checked those numbers uh, for 2020 um, in some years past just because I was curious. And they are significantly higher than they have been in recent years um, as far as the number Number of journalists who have been, you know, attacked. Um, so have those numbers escalated due to the amount of like protests and, and civil and political unrest that we've seen, do you think? And um, can you maybe talk about some other times uh, historically where these might have been higher, just like they were in 2020? Yeah, you know, I don't, I,
1: I, there are a couple of things that that go in here now, obviously, like the, you know, from the last four years, the political fervor across the U.S. has been much higher. Uh, and mm. and there's been a lot more at stake, I think, politically um, the last four years and and, and uh, tensions have been on the rise for a number of different reasons. Uh, mm. And so all that does play into account uh, as to what's going on. And um when you find that that civil discourse is there um that will lead to more instances of 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 violence or uh you know against journalists and and against others as well it's not just journalists Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, i think one thing that that you know we should also look at too is i i don't know how much more violence there is against journalists or if just like in other parts of society, it's being captured uh, Mm -hmm. more and it's being put out in the open more on on places like social media and everything where it Mm -hmm. might not have been in the past. Uh, So that's one big difference where everything is being um, uh, shared and everything that happens in public, everyone knows about it. Um, And so that might be another factor in all of this that and then also, people are more willing to talk about these incidents as mm-hmm. well, uh, and, and bring them to light, uh, you know, than they might have had in the past. Um, and and you did mention, you know, our, our panel that we had on journalist safety. Uh, you know, we had some, some great conversations with the folks from the James Foley Foundation mm-hmm. and Michelle, Dr. Michelle Ferrier from Trollbusters, and uh, so you know, organizations like that. Um, provide really vital information for journalists on how to protect themselves uh, when they're covering protests, when they're when they're covering um, you know if they're going out and covering militias or if they're covering you know, uh, any kind of civil unrest, how to protect protect themselves, how to work together in teams, how to uh, ensure their safety while also telling the story to the people uh, who aren't there at that time. So. Um, there are a lot of folks out there who are working on this to ensure journalist safety. Uh, but then there are also a lot more reporters who are in, uh, in, in the middle of this now that, that, you know, really are doing tremendous work under a tremendous amount of pressure. I know we talked with, um, in one of my classes this past semester, we talked to Shamari Stone, who's a breaking news reporter in Washington DC for uh, the NBC station there. He's a Mm -hmm. tremendous reporter. Uh, and, you know, he's really been on the front lines of a lot of this, you know, every night, you know, for the 11 o'clock news or, you know, just whenever news breaks, he's there and generally it's just him and a cameraman, uh, and they have to really work together to protect each other in a lot of these situations to make sure that, you know, when one is, 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 uh, shooting, uh, video, the other is, you know, watching his back to, to make sure that. You know he's in a safe location. No one Mm -hmm. is uh, around them that could cause harm. And then the 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 same thing uh, reverse. When Shamari is doing interviews with people, the cameraman is looking all around to make sure that you know Shamari is safe and nothing is going to happen to him. And then they also have to always plan for uh, escape routes, basically for any kind Mm -hmm. of situations, to to just be be aware of where they could need to be. Um, what kind of protection they need to take to make sure that they are, are, are safe.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, we will uh, very much link to some of those organizations that you mentioned for all of our journalism friends that are listening um, for some of those tips. Um, and I love that you brought up your class there. Um, what advice, you know, do you give to your class? Um, after hearing some of these people talk um, or just that you yourself have experienced on maybe how to, you know, prepare. I know it's hard to prepare for these things uh, when you're not living them because, you know, situ- situationally, I think it's hard sometimes for us to feel, you know, what would we do in this situation? But, um, you know, we have seen an increased number of, of protests. Um, you know, what, what do you tell your students? What advice do you give your students on how to cover those things? Should they encounter them in the future?
1: Yeah. I I mean, first and foremost, your own safety is of utmost importance. Uh, and, you know, you never want to put yourself in a position where your own safety is compromised. Um, and so if, you know, if, if it's something where you don't feel comfortable, uh, being, uh, that's when you have to reassess and say, okay, let me get out of here and let me find another way to cover this story or, or some other method of covering the story um, mm-hmm. that won't put me in harm's way. Um, Shamari gave some pretty good examples of that when he was in my class, The James Foley Foundation. They have uh, a, an entire uh, course dedicated to this and have lots of tips and everything for it. Uh, the Committee to uh, Protect Journalists is another one that, that does. Um, but even like even taking like protests and uh, things like that out of the picture, at the same time, the journalists are also dealing with the coronavirus, too, and how to protect mm-hmm. themselves in that way. And that's like another thing. And, and Shamari has this wonderful video that he posted on Twitter um, that, that a lot of people have used about how he and his cameraman, uh, just in normal everyday situations, make sure that they are safe and the people who they are interviewing are safe. Uh, mm-hmm. By, you know, like putting your, your lab mics uh, on, uh, attaching them to something near the person that they're going to interview, how they mm-hmm. stand far enough back with their cameras, uh, how do they have other extenders on their microphones to, to not be so close to people and maintain you know, a safe social distance from them and, uh, you know, combining all these things together, it's, it's an in- incredibly uh, amazing time for journalists to to still do the jobs that they do on, on a daily basis. It's, uh, it's incredible.
0: You know, it's honestly been amazing to see them adapt because we have to adapt because um, journalists are, are essential. And so some of these things that we've talked about, whether that be safety covering, um, you know, protests or, you know, just journalism in general in the era of COVID, you know, so many of those are working in the field. Um, but with COVID, we have seen that some, you know, journalists are working at home or in a hybrid format. Um, and we've seen kind of some online um, violence per se towards journalists. And I think that's more of a gray area. Because when I was in You know, the J school here, and I was getting ready to graduate. You know, Twitter was just kind of becoming a thing. Um, So, even people my age, and I'm only 30, were not necessarily super prepared to deal with what we see on. Um, social media channels um, towards us. And you kind of touched on that, you know, how people would comment on your stories. Um, and I have friends that share funny things all the time that, that people say, or, you know, just mean things where they didn't like their outfit that day or whatever. Um, but but how, how would you encourage your students or our journalists to protect themselves online? Because I think there are so many different facets to, to being an online presence.
1: Yeah, it, it, it as you mentioned, it's it's gotten a lot more complicated as we've gone through uh, our our generation with social media now. Um, and I I look back to my early days uh, of like working at NBC stations and and helping the anchors and reporters who are on the air and the public facing folks at at, at TV stations uh, on newscasts uh, really protect themselves online. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and how that has changed over the years and it's gotten indeed more complex. Um, once again, I'll point to uh, Trollbusters, which is a website that uh, Dr. Ferrier has like an, an entire kind of like uh, social media guide for what you need to do as a journalist to make sure that you are safe. Um, you know, there are things, you know, like making sure that, you know, you don't really broadcast if you're in certain areas at the mm-hmm. time you know, try not to draw attention to yourself that way, Um, you know, take location off of uh, your social media pictures or anything like that. So that, you know, people don't know uh, in certain instances where you are, uh, if, you know, you might be a target in that way, but overall, you know, it, it's really important. And you, you know, you mentioned things of like little silly things that people will email to anchors or reporters. Mm -hmm. Um, But those things in particular can escalate over time Mm -hmm. and what may seem kind of just strange or ridiculous at first could eventually lead to something and you don't want to ever let your guard down uh and and take everything seriously because you don't know what's going to happen and i and i look to some place like the capital gazette and the shooting that happened there that started as someone who would just email um complaints uh to the newspaper uh and it eventually escalated into what happened there tragically where where people lost their lives mm-hmm. uh and that was an incident that we when we were at the post gazette um really had to look deep and see like okay what are we doing as a newsroom to make sure that we're protected and our newsroom itself is protected at that point where we would bring in folks from, you know, the uh, Homeland Security to come in and take a look at our security procedures that we had in place and identify where there might be some uh, gaps or some holes that we weren't looking at and how we could um, kind of deal with those and make changes to make sure that the folks in our newsroom were safe. Uh, so, you know, while it's, you know, some of this stuff may seem kind of trivial or um, kind of ridiculous at the time, you just never know when something is going to escalate or why it's going to escalate or what's going to trigger something. So you should always be prepared for, for as much as you can, uh, within a newsroom.
0: Yeah, I think that's really great advice, too. I think a lot of people tend to overlook smaller things. And so I'm glad that you made that point. And, you know, you mentioned when you were at the Post-Gazette, you guys were kind of looking at kind of a, more of a, a safety plan and what do you have in place? Is that is that common for most newsrooms to have sort of a an action plan?
1: Um, I hope it is for, for most, but I, I suspect that it's not for a lot because they just the, the staffing levels where they are and, and, mm-hmm. you know, that, that rush to, to get news out there every day. Uh, it's hard to take a step back and look at the bigger picture sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's, it's highly recommended that, you know, you do that and take a look at it and, you know, it, it, it's, it's worth the time to reach out to like your local law enforcement. Uh, if you are running a newsroom to, to see how they can help and what kind of advice they can give, um, I know that's what Sally Stapleton, who was our managing editor at the Post Gazette at the time, uh, she did that and reached out to local DHS, and mm-hmm. they were willing to come in and just like do a great assessment for us of of what we needed to do to be better prepared for it. Uh, and you know, uh, Sally's actually going to do a um, a talk with us this spring about that very subject. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's something that everyone can look forward to. Um, uh, this spring that, you know, she can provide the advice and guidance that was provided to us the, at the PG at the time.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And kind of along, you know, this this same line here, you know, we've seen how how social media can be harmful. But um, how can we utilize social media moving forward? as journalists kind of differently and effectively as, as reporters to be able to get truth and facts out there um, that are trusted and kind of fight the misinformation um, that's circulating online.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, it's really, it's, it's a hard (laughs) subject because, you know, like we're all still figuring it out, you know, basically Mm -hmm. as a society, we're still figuring social media out. And, you know, there, there are some people are at all different stages of it, uh, of, you know, what, You know, how do they identify the truth from opinion? How do they identify truth from misinformation? Uh, all of that. And so it's it's not just us as journalists. You know, we can Mm -hmm. continue to put out, you know, the truth every day, but if people are skeptical, if they don't believe it, it, it may not get through to them at that point. I you know, like I would love to see us um, through all levels of school have some sort of media literacy campaigns uh, go on across the country to,
0: mm-hmm.
1: not even at, at like high school, college uh, levels or, or grade school levels, but also for um, adults and seniors mm-hmm. and, and try to, to get them to, to realize you know, how they can be manipulated by certain things on social media and mm-hmm. how to avoid that, and how to actually find the truth uh, uh, among all of uh, those uh, those lies and, and so forth. So, um, I think it's on all of us as a society. Um, you know, we can, you know, do our part uh, as journalists to can keep putting the truth out there. Um, I'd also say too for for us as journalists to make sure that we. Um, clearly identify anything that we're putting out there from, you know, opinion sections or commentaries or op-eds anything of those lines to make sure those are clearly labeled uh, so that people understand that that is an opinion from a person, or that is an opinion from an editorial board, which is separate from a newsroom itself. Mm -hmm. uh, And so that people can understand that that difference between commentary and opinion from actual truth and facts and reporting that goes on in in all of these newsrooms.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I know that part yeah. of what we've been trying to do in our K through twelve outreach, um, as well, as always incorporate some form of, of media literacy. I think it's so important. And like you said, it, it's constantly changing. I think <laughs> um, we're always trying to wrap our head around it. Always trying to you know figure out as things change and as new platforms pop up. Um, how to make sure that, that we're getting that information out there effectively. Um, one of the other uh, safety things I want to talk about is something that I think people don't really think about very often. Um, and that's kind of the mental health aspect mm-hmm. of being a journalist. So I think that's something that you know we tend to overlook. We're busy trying to get breaking news out. And um, you know, we're, we're expected to cover a lot of things that could be traumatic um, without bias and do it in real time. So you kind of have to separate yourself um, from the story there for a while. But at the end of the day, uh, journalists are still covering things that are hard, whether that be death or addiction or, you know, uh, political and civil unrest. And it can take a toll, um, really, on the people that are covering it. And so what advice do you have for journalists when it comes to processing the events that they cover, um, and how they kind of find safety in mental health as well.
1: Yeah, mental health is is so important. Uh, And especially I look to in today's day and age to all the digital journalists who you may not, who may not be out there uh, on the streets covering stories, but could be back in the newsroom, um, you know, especially when you're dealing with all the raw video that comes in to a newsroom. You know, I, I, you know, I dealt with this from, you know, geez, back, you know, 9-11 where you mm-hmm. would see, you know, the images of people who were, you know, just jumping out of uh, the towers to like images from Sandy Hook or from,
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: you know, the, the pulse shooting, anything like that across the country. You know, you're constantly as a journalist being bombarded with images, with video uh, all without filter at, at that point. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's, it's our job as journalists to then make sure that, that we only provide to the public um, the information that, that they need without all of the, the trauma that sometimes goes with this stuff uh, as well. But it's not just the images in the video, but it's also, you know, you're seeing all the comments online on, you know, your own stories on social media that people are, are saying, and then some of this can be very hurtful things. And, you know, that can add up as well. Uh, and then you're just hearing all the details from all of the reporters who are at the scenes as well. And a lot of stuff that doesn't even make it into a, uh, uh, you know, a text version of a story. Uh, there's sometimes a lot more that, that is left out, uh, you could say on the cutting room floor uh, mm. and a lot of times, but like story after story after story, this really builds up, you know, and we had people at, at NBC who just, you know, like they had to just step away. And, you know, mm-hmm. I know of one uh, woman who just like left the industry and it's like, I just can't do it. You know, I can't cover another one of these shootings anymore. And it's understandable, you know, it is really hard. Um, and so, for for us as journalists, you know, you have to take that time to recover mentally, and it, it gets mm-hmm. harder and harder with all of these stories that happen one after another after another, <laughs> continuing, uh, and it builds up. But you have to take that time for yourself. You need to unplug, get away from social media for a while, get away from your television sets and your phones, <laughs> and put them <laughs> somewhere else, uh, and just try to recover as as much as you can. Uh, in the time that, and take the time that you need to make that happen. And I think newsrooms themselves uh, and, you know, the, the, the main editors uh, at newsrooms have to realize this and understand that, you know, people in these positions aren't robots. They're not capable of just doing this day after day after day it takes a toll on them and they need to provide assistance to them, whether it be an additional mental health days or, Mm -hmm. you know, providing some extra comfort for a newsroom. Uh, I remember, you know, at NBC, we would occasionally uh, bring in like therapy dogs that would just come Mm -hmm. in like puppies in the newsroom kind of thing. (laughs) It was just like, that was great. You know, It, it just like took everybody's mind off everything for a little bit and it was, it was a nice thing to have there. Uh, mm-hmm. but you know, you have to realize that this, this, these, these are all people and they hurt and they feel different things. And we have to be very mindful of that and, and help any way we can with that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And. Our college has a therapy dog, so I understand the power of the, the therapy dog. And like, Omega is means. awesome. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> we love that. Um, and, you know, honestly, our college is so very proactive to discuss these topics um, and try to support our students in any way we can. But again, like we mentioned earlier, you know, we can replicate as much as we want, but it is a lot of times so hard to prepare students for things in the future because we don't know you know I think you know so many of us when we went to college to get our journalism degrees were aware that at some point we were going to have to cover something hard but I don't think many of us ever imagined you know covering the news in a global pandemic or (laughs) um, I I think you know things that we've seen in in our country in in 2020 were just things that you really can't prepare someone for um, in a college classroom despite our best efforts and so you know, what, what advice do you have for journalists to future journalists or journalists who maybe just entered, um, the job market in 2020, um, given everything that's kind of going on, like, what would you say to somebody who is maybe a little concerned about, about continuing a career in journalism given the climate?
1: Yeah. I mean, know there may be times when when you you feel overwhelmed by it and and there may be times where you know you're like wow is this what I signed up for but in all honesty like the work that journalists are doing now is pretty much more important work than they've ever done in the past Mm -hmm. 50 60 70 years worth of stuff you know and Mm -hmm. um You know, without journalists, we would not know a lot of what has been going on uh, in the country. Uh, And, you know, we kind of take that for granted as viewers of news and as consumers of news. Um, Mm -hmm. But it is so, so important. And, you know, I told my class, um, you know, on the first day, a a couple days ago, uh, like, I'm so proud of them for being in this field and wanting to Mm -hmm. continue on that work. And providing crucial information to the public because it's it's more important now than ever. Uh, and so, you know, I I'm I'm really proud. And, and like I haven't known them for like one class basically, mm-hmm. but I'm so proud of like what they're willing to do. Uh, and and being in this profession, uh, it, it's it's an honor to be in this profession, and and mm-hmm. it's also a, a great duty to uh, to our communities to provide them with information that they need.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You touched on this briefly there. Um, What what would you want the general public to know about you know, journalism and and the people who are researching and reporting the news, because I do think it is so easy to take for granted the work that really goes into a story, um, whether that be breaking news, whether that be something like a feature story or a sports story. You know, people work so hard to deliver this, and we just have the convenience of turning on our TV or watching a, a Facebook Live. So what do you want just the general citizen to know about journalists?
1: Yeah, I mean, like... I wish they would realize that that journalists are members of their community alongside them uh, in one way or another, uh, that you know they're trying as best they can to determine the truth and what the truth is and providing it to them uh, with some context so they can help understand it. Um, and you know, sometimes, unfortunately, some people are going to get some things wrong. And you know, especially in today's age where, everything is moving so fast and we're having to deal with things like pandemics that we've never helped had to deal with before, um, -hmm. you know, in, in our generation. Uh, and, and so like this is a lot of new territory for a lot of people and they're trying the best they can to provide the most factual information they can to them, uh, to help them and to help them understand, to help them, basically survive what's going on right now. So mm-hmm. um, I, I, I would hope that you know, they understand that journalists have their best interests at heart and are trying to give them uh, factual information that they can use on a day-to-day basis uh, and understand that you know, it's, it, life right now is messy, uh, mm-hmm. but we're, journalists are trying as best they can to make sense of all of it for them.
0: Yeah, you absolutely did a beautiful job with that. I um, I cannot echo that enough. I, you know, both of us, I think have so many friends in the industry, and I just see how hard they work, um, and how much is going on for them right now. And I think that's the the best description that you gave there. Um, I know we could talk about this topic for hours, probably. (laughs) Um, But I want to be mindful of every time. So did we miss anything? Is there anything else you'd like to say um, regarding kind of the safety of journalism or just journalism in general um, right now? No, I
1: mean, like for anyone who's thinking uh, about being in this industry, in this business, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's not glamorous, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, but it is such crucial work. Uh, and it's so important to all of our communities and communities can uh, be a lot of many different things. Uh, mm-hmm. so, you know, it, it, it's, it's very gratifying to, to be able to help people in some way. And so that's one of the things that, that I've always, you know, been really uh, grateful for in my career is anytime that I can do a story that helps people it could be a single person, it could be a neighborhood, uh, it could be an entire city, uh, mm-hmm. and so on. But, you know, that it, it makes it all worthwhile when you can do something that can really make a difference in someone's life. And, you know, that's, you know, that's why we do what we do. And, mm-hmm. and now it's, a, it's more important now than, than ever that, you know, we're there for people and we can we can help them in their the day to day lives. So
0: what you are doing with New Start um, really just seeks to build that community uh, between you know the journalists and the community that they live in. So um, before we go, just briefly, do you want to chat about the the goal of New Start and just kind of let people know what that project is? We mentioned it at the beginning of the podcast, um, but just so people have an understanding of what it is.
1: Yeah, sure, yeah. The the New START program, it's a a new master's degree program that we have at WVU uh, in media solutions and innovation. Uh, And basically what we're doing is looking for the next generation of media owners uh, across the country uh, and really with a specific eye towards rural community uh, news. There are a lot of rural community newspapers that are family owned, individually owned uh, across the country but they're getting to the end of their lifespan uh, in ownership terms where the owners are ready to retire or beyond retirement age at this point in time. Uh, mm-hmm. But they have no kind of succession plan of like, who's going to take over. Uh, mm-hmm. And they just don't know where to turn to, to help them find those new owners who understand not only the business, uh, like, not only community journalism, but also the business of, uh, Of journalism and owning a publication and what to do with it. Um, These current owners have been successful and they're still profitable in many instances around across the country. Uh, Despite what you hear about newspapers at that level, they are. uh, Mm -hmm. And so a program like ours uh, identifies and trains that next generation who have an interest in this and want to be uh, rural community uh, publishers, basically. And what that means in the future it could still continue to be a newspaper uh it could transform into a digital project product uh, mm-hmm. you know and and we're here to kind of guide them through that process uh match them up with owners across the country who want to sell and help them create a new business plan and a new uh new way of path forward for many of these publications so that they are sustainable for the long term and so you know, our first group of students, uh, they're in the middle of this program right now, uh, and they're all you know, in some way or another either acquiring a paper or are uh, starting uh, their own publication. And mm-hmm. so we're really excited about what they're doing. And looking forward for the next group that's going to come in uh, this coming June, July and start the process again.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I just uh, want to thank you for all the work you're doing with that. I grew up in a rural area in my small town. Um, newspaper is really the closest thing we have to news in our area our you know local TV channels are still in areas that are an hour away from us um, so I think you know the community newspaper um, really was the source of all of our information and still is to my family that lives at home so I'm really excited that our college is is taking on this initiative and that we have someone like you to help train people um, to be able to make that happen and still provide information that's really really important to those communities. So um, I appreciate all that you're doing. Uh, thanks, Whitney. Thanks. Appreciate it. And thank you for, for your time today um, and your insights. Um, this topic is so important and I'm glad we were, we able to talk about it and I hope moving forward, our, our students and our friends and our colleagues are continue to be able to be safe and report the news and, and keep us informed and take care of themselves in the process. So thank you so much for your time. No problem. Anytime. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. And a huge thank you to all of our journalists out there who are working tirelessly to keep us informed um, and also to our professors who are at our college who work um, just as tirelessly to train our future journalists with knowledge that they need to stay safe while serving the public. Uh, We truly appreciate everything you guys are doing um, for your communities. And that's going to do it for this episode of Read Talk. Make sure you check our notes for some of those resources that Jim and I talked about and stay tuned for next time.